0: Joe presents TKO. Welcome to TKO. Uh, Carl and I have come to Manchester this week for uh, a special exclusive. Very pleased to welcome to the show Josh Taylor and Ben Davison. How are we doing, boys? Good, thank you. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Thanks for joining us. Um, No prizes for guessing what this is about. We're announcing the new partnership that you guys have formed. Josh, I'll come to you first because you've had an amazing... Eighteen months. Can later. I ask a question first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did you leave Cyclone Promotion? I could be here all day, but no, just uh,
1: leave it at like that. Yeah. How many,
0: how many batteries have you lads got? Yeah. He did say he was going to do that. I didn't think he actually did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, mate, firstly, congratulations on an amazing twelve months. You you sit here now as the, the unified WBA IBF ring magazine super lightweight champion of the world. I imagine that's still a bit weird when you hear it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it seems good, you know, for years, since I was a little boy, dreaming of becoming world champion, but never for a minute imagined I'd be unified and ring, ring magazine, you know, it's uh, something that just dreams are made of, you know, my mm. dreams come true, but I never for a minute thought I'd become ring magazine world champion, the Rocky belt, I call it, you know, so, yeah, I just uh, amazing. Everybody that I've ever known about to have that belt has just been like superstars of the sport, you know, no. No, we Josh Taylor from Preston Pans in Scotland You'll
0: say, ah, it's crazy. Yeah, everyone got to start somewhere there, haven't they? You've had, obviously, documented things that have happened outside the ring. Obviously, you announced you'd split with the McGuigan's camp. But the show has to go on and obviously you have responsibilities as a multiple belt holder, one of them being your mandatory challenges and the IBF and the strict on those. Yep. You've been ordered by the IBF already to, to kind of defend, I think. So there was yeah. pressure on you, yeah. regardless of, of the split, to actually find a, a trainer.
1: Yeah, um, but you know, the, I knew I knew where I was want to go anyway. I'd been had to for a long time, and I knew for a long time that I was going to be leaving Shane and the McGuigans after that fight, obviously due, just because I was very unhappy. But the first choice was was Ben. So, and we've come over. I had a week's trial with him in uh, in Dubai, you know, and after like the second session, I was flowing, you know, like just kind of clipped. you know. So I, just, I knew that's where I wanted to to go straight away. But then I had booked in a week with Adam, Adam Booth as well, and so I had to do that <coughs> as well. Didn't make my mind up there and then. But after the week with Adam I thought I'll do another week with Ben and that just first session, I was like, no, that's me, I'm gonna come here. I just think um the style just gel, you know, because obviously he trains Billy Joe as well and I like his style, mm. his speed and combinations and and footwork, you know, so I thought it would have been a, a good matchup and it, say. Uh, I feel comfortable, and I'm excited for what the future
2: holds. I was glad you went with Ben as well, because I knew there was a, a debate as to where you were going to go. I knew you were doing a wee session with with Adam Booth for a trial with Adam mm-hmm. Booth as well. I just think that Ben's style of coaching is more suited to you. I'm not taking away anything away from Adam mm-hmm. Booth, he's an amazing coach, but a lot of his fighters have a, a certain style. Yeah, I don't think that's you. I think you're a, you're a different type of fighter.
1: Yeah, when I when I was down there, you know, Adam was a good coach as well. He was he was very good. You know, it was him and Ben were sort of saying similar sort of things of what I need to do and uh, work on. But again, yeah, it was that sort of shoulder style and it just it just wasn't my style. Mm-hmm. When I got it right a couple of times, the jab and stuff, it, it felt real good. But just a wee bit too much different from my kind of style. And watching Ben with Billy Joe and Southpaw and same kind of combination, fast yeah. punchers with good feet work. So I knew that would be kind of more my kind of style. And then <coughs> when I had the second week with...
0: We two sessions in I was like right I'm going to train here, yeah. this is where I'm going to go. Well Ben, welcome to TKO, congratulations on this new partnership. Also want to say oh. a big congratulations for the weekend because of course you weren't in the corner in Las Vegas, we all know that, but I think anybody watching this that knows anything about boxing understands the, the totally invaluable contribution that you made Absolutely. to the progress and and everything <coughs> that Tyson achieved on Saturday night and so although you weren't there for, from us congratulations must be a great feeling
3: yeah of course you know me and Tyson are are friends as well and uh, I keep putting it this way because it does simply boil down to that just because I'm not financially benefiting from a situation doesn't mean he's not my friend anymore otherwise the friendship was completely fake Mm. of course I wanted him to go and win and I knew that he'd do a a good number on him you know because for him to be able to do what he'd done at tops 50% in the first fight I knew that it was going to be a what I didn't know he was going to be as dominant as that, but I knew he was going to dominate and get a good win there.
0: We'll, we'll come on to that, because I know you're a big Tyson Fury fan too, so we'll come on to the fight <coughs> second half of the show, for those of you watching and listening. We don't often hear about the side of the trainer's experience when there's a split with a fighter, whether they retire or, or whether you, you part ways, as you did with Tyson. I remember speaking to Dave Colwell about the void that was left when Bellew mm-hmm. hung him up uh, last year, and how that's been a big adjustment period for him over the last 12 months. For you, obviously, I know you went with Tyson for years and years and years, but the journey you went on was so intense and so hands on and so committed from both of your sides that when that comes to an end, I imagine that takes a bit of adjusting for, for you as
3: well. Yeah, of course, you know, it was, it was a 24 7 job, literally 24 7, 365 days of a year, so it took up a all my time in the last couple of years. And, um, but I knew that I was working again with Billy Joe and I'd been contacted about the Josh situation as well. And it was actually, although it wasn't nice to part ways with Tyson, it was nice to have a little bit of time to myself over the Christmas Mm -hmm. period as well, because for the last three years, Christmases, birthdays, all of that, I've always been away. So it was nice to have a little bit of time to myself as well.
0: Mm. Carl, you, you know yourself, you're in a similar situation to Josh where you've left the trainer, but you're at the peak of your career. So you can't, you know, we see prospects changing coaches in the early stages of their careers, trying to work out what's best for them. But at this stage of your career, when you're changing <coughs> trainers, there's very little margin for error because you're essentially mm-hmm. going into big fight after big fight. There's no real easy ones from a, from this point. And the stakes, obviously, are, are high this year for you particularly. And I know you had the same when you left and, and found Jamie Moore. Yeah, yeah, you have to fit, it has to be... It has to be
2: someone that you work well with and you <coughs> agree with their methods and their approach to fighting and, and the approach they take to fights and training camps and everything else, and even just life as well. So I had a few trainers in mind when I, when I joined Jimmy Murray when I left the McGuigan, sorry. Jimmy was the first one that I went with, and I just felt a real click. And, and something I didn't do that Josh done was he went to somewhere else. I just really f- felt like I fitted in well in that gym, and I liked what Jimmy was saying. And that was enough for me. I had maybe another two or three guys in mind. And I never even thought about contacting them then
0: because I think that it just it just worked well with Jamie. Mm. You obviously need that time to gel. Who did you? Who was it you fought before? there It was Horatio
2: Garcia. Garcia. So that was, that was it. the thing. I had a short camp, and the fight was approaching. There was a date for a fight, and and I had six weeks. And it wasn't like I, I wasn't forced into going with Jamie. I, I felt like that was the right decision for me to make, but. It was fast approaching my return to fighting again. I knew I needed a coach as well, so I was was kind of half glad that he was the first guy, because maybe if I had went with someone else with a short space of time, I might have went with them, because I was getting close to approaching a fight, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So there was, in my head, Pete Taylor yep. was one, Salas was one, because he was with David Hay yeah, at the, the time, yeah. and Adam Booth was in my head as well, as a potential trainer, but Jamie was the first one I went to. I'm, I'm glad I did.
0: Yeah. And I suppose also the, the time that you then had to build towards the Donair fight, you, you needed that eight or nine months together to gel as a pairing, yeah. going into a big fight. Yeah, if, yeah. Obviously, you guys will have the same thing yeah. when you come to maybe that fight with Ramirez, if it's later this year or early next year. So in a, in a sense, who's this guy, on consumer that you've been mandated yeah. for for the IBF? These kind of fights are the ones that you want to have as your first ones together because you don't really... Ben want to walk into a fight with Jose Ramirez after you know working with someone for, for 14, 16 weeks?
3: Yeah, to a certain degree, but I feel like Josh is a similar sort of character to what us lads here are, so I can sort of quickly understand what type of person he is emotionally, how he is mentally, and you can see in the build up to previous fights, big fights that he's had, how he approaches those fights in that manner. Mm. And stylistically, I understand him, I understand his strengths and I understand his weaknesses, and. He's the level of fighter where you can make adjustments and of course you can improve them, but I do believe even without those adjustments, he's good enough to beat Ramirez, in my opinion. Okay.
0: I mean, the criticism that you had early doors when you first
3: came on the scene was all really baseless. It
0: was to do with your age and your relative inexperience as a coach. And obviously uh, 99% of those doubts were quashed after that first Deontay Wilder fight. Mm. For, for you, was the way that Ben led the corner that night and the calmness he showed under the highest stakes possible, was that one of the things that made you think he could guide me during these big fights? Yeah, I
1: think so. Before that it was sort of clips that I would see of him training with Tyson and obviously Billy Joe as well. The style that they were working on, the combinations of movement, the head movement and the speed and the, the feet work it was really similar to the way I can box and kind of train. You know, so I thought that he's. If I'm going to move, that's the kind of trainer I want to go with. Mm. And then, obviously, the the Wilder fight come about, and then you hear his advice in the corner, and the way he breaks down the fight, and just his knowledge of the sport is uh, is brilliant. And he's only twenty seven. You know, he's
0: yeah, it's mad.
2: Uh, Here, yeah, yeah. Can we go on? I I and I have actually apologised <laughs> on this
3: show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> when he Billy Joel was in was fighting someone in Eastern Europe. wreck oh, for game. a and you were in the corner, and it was the first real appearance from you, I mm. think. And I remember thinking, it was a bad performance from Billy Joe, but I remember thinking, yes. there's no fucking urgency in the corner. But, in hindsight, we now know that Billy Joe wasn't fit, and there was no urgency, because if he had have been fucking, if you'd have been two mm. on top in the corner, there he'd have he blew through. a gasket, Yeah, and I'd he may have lost the fight. I have apologised. I'm <laughs> <after laughs> here for, for making the statement. I'd, that I'd, that
3: I'd, that I'd that worked that. with Billy Joe for quite a few years before that and I knew I'd obviously spent that training camp with him along with Jimmy Tibbs and it was only a couple of weeks before the fight that he parted ways with Jimmy and I knew what was in the tank and I knew that we had to be efficient in getting him to do the rounds and the round management was very important I know what makes Billy Joe tick and I, tick, and I know what doesn't <coughs> so I knew when to push him I, because of Billy Joe's character if I told him you lost that round He was going to go out there and give everything to win the next round. And Mm. we couldn't afford to do that. So it was just about round management. And I think people always associate age with experience. But I was lucky enough to spend a lot of time around people like Jimmy Tibbs and very knowledgeable guys, which I gained a hell of a lot from. And that Mm. round management... Is something that I picked up from Jimmy Tibbs, you know?
0: And of course that's the that's the battle that you face as a, as a new face on the scene managing high-profile fighters is mm. that had it been Jimmy Tibbs in the corner, people would have assumed they'd have gone well obviously there's something that's gone on whereas because it's you, the first thing that people reach for is does this guy know what he's doing and they look at your age and then... Of course, of so, course. So it's, that's the uphill battle you face as a trainer but I would like to think that your performances in the corner over the last couple of years have given people a real idea of what, what mm. you're about.
3: Yeah, but t- it's the same as a fighter, you know. One bad performance and people jump on them, so yeah. I fully understand that. It's the same for everybody, and anybody that's in a high-profile high situation, there's going to be ups and downs. It's part and parcel of it.
0: Let's talk about your options for this year, then. So, this Appendon Consom, who's been mandated by the IBF. Yeah, hey, it's it's tall, uh,
1: he's taller than me, and um, you know, there's, no, there's no much footage of him online. There's maybe only a couple of fights, and it's only a, a few rounds worth, you know. So, he does look very tall, but he looks like he punches hard. But very wild and sort of raw, I need mean, to keep my eye on the ball, but it's nothing that I don't think I can handle and I'm sure I'll
0: take care of them. And it's going to be, if the schedules line up as they look like they're going to, potentially uh, a week or two before Postol mm-hmm. uh, and Ramirez, do you think you guys will go to that fight and watch watch those two? Yeah, I would go. Yeah, I'd be
1: up for going. I'd be up for going and, uh, and watching her live and then picking up tips and, yeah, and hopefully pick myself a fight after the, the the end result and mm. give myself a fight for the unification of the belts.
2: It's good to be there as well yeah, if, it you're yeah. tr- if it's a fight that you're trying to make and just to be present about the place and people start talking about the fight more mm. and that's a fight that Josh, and say, I don't even know many fights, you have about 16 only? 16, 16 yeah. 16, madness. 16, but imagine yeah. being like completely undisputed after maybe 18 fights, Yeah, unreal.
0: It will take a little bit of um, playing out because there are obviously mandatories on both yeah, sides. Your yeah. WBA will be called next. The winner of, of Postal Ramirez, the WBO, I think, will be called. That, yeah. of course, is a yeah. man in your camp, Jack Catterall, mm-hmm. who I feel like he has been mandatory for since time began, and he's been waiting very patiently for that. Yeah. And he has said quite recently, or certainly Frank Warren said in an interview, that Jack wouldn't necessarily <laughs> take a step aside fee. So it would mean that potentially you'd have to face, so he would have to face the winner of Postal Ramirez. You might have to then take your WBA mandatory, mm-hmm. which could be Lewis Ritson. Yeah, have you kind of planned this out in your head? Well, listen, do you I'm, any no,
1: idea? I'm not really bothered. What, um, obviously, ideally, I'd want to go for the Ramirez fight, and obviously Jack Carroll take a step back and me get the the shot for all the marbles. But you know, just see wait wait and see how it plays out. You know, Jack like you said, Jack Carroll has waited a long time for to get a shot. You know, he has been mandatory for a good while now, so he is due a shot. So if that happens first, then so be it. Then I'll have to do my other mandatory against the. Uh, Ritson or someone, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm not bothered what way it goes, and uh, I'm confident in beating every single one of them. You know, um, I think I beat them all. You know, I think Jack Cattle's a good fighter, but I, I take care of him no problem. I think I take care of Ritson no problem as well. Then I think I take care of Ramirez. So and mm-hmm. I've already beaten Posto, So, so yeah, yeah I, feel, I feel like I feel like I'm the man at the division, and uh, I'm confident in beating anybody.
2: Jack is someone who I feel very sorry for, like he, it seems like yeah, he, yeah. I think he, he may have been <coughs> like well over a year mandatory for mm. the WPO, yeah, yeah. a year and a half, something I think like a year that. And a half, yeah. Nothing seems to be going right, nothing seems to be falling into place for him. Very good fighter, <laughs> and one thing I will say about Jack is something that annoys me a little bit, it doesn't annoy me about him, but what I see in the gym, I haven't seen on a fight night yet. I used to hang about and watch this guy sparring because he was the best to watch. I do the exact same for cattle in the gym, I love watching him sparring but he hasn't went through them gears yet. Maybe it takes a right fighter to make him have to dig in deep and, and do that but I feel a wee bit sorry for him, the
0: situation he's, he's been in waiting so long to, mm. to get a shot. Well, fingers crossed he gets some opportunity at some point this year, it would be would be good to see. Um, another man who's chucked his hat in the in the ring yesterday, Ben's Mikey Garcia who you think will be back down at 140? he said he would love to come over to the UK. <coughs> um, he said he loves the sort of look of the UK fight atmosphere and he knows he's got some fans here. And he said if the opportunity to fight Josh was, was on the table, he would love that. As a trainer, you've got a lot to start, to, a lot of homework to start doing, haven't you?
3: Yeah, but I don't want to shoot it down so we haven't got a conversation, but it's one fight at a time, you know, so yeah. we're focusing on Kong Song and anything after that, we'll do with it when it comes.
0: Fair enough. Let's talk about the fight at the weekend, because I know you watched it twice, haven't you? Well, yeah, I've watched it twice. Eh? Yeah. Three times
1: actually,
0: eh? Three times? Yeah. Wow. But I'm going to ask you first, Ben, because I feel like you're, you're the man right in the in the know here. Firstly, where, where did you watch it, who did you watch it with, and how did you feel?
3: I watched it in my room upstairs. Uh, I was actually going to go, but I was unwell. Josh was here, Billy Joe was here. I thought 40 hours of flying because I couldn't get a direct flight from Manchester. It was gonna make me unwell for longer and I thought I've I've got a job to do here and I've got to focus on that so I didn't go. So I watched it upstairs on my phone.
0: And trembling. Re- really really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was so much I've almost never seen so much sort of analysis and post fight prediction and, and gossip and everything else before <coughs> a fight as this one. It's almost been total overkill.
3: Did you have any idea the way this fight was gonna unfold, honestly? I knew, and I got the text on my phone that Tyson was going to start fast. We'd spoke about it. We spoke about I always talk about Wilder stylistically, like Thomas Hans, and mm. he was obviously beat by Ray Leonard and Marvin Hagler. And we spoke about a blend of the two styles going into this fight. But so I knew Tyson was going to start fast, and I knew Wilder was actually going to start more patiently through things he had said and Your Ortiz second Ortiz performance. A few different things. I, I knew that was going to be the case, but. Sometimes, as a as a fighter, you can see and feel things that a trainer can't see. And sometimes, as a trainer, you can see things a fighter can't see. And in that 12th round of that last fight, Tyson 100% felt something from Wilder leave and knew that he could go about the job in that way. And I think after a round of it, he knew. Wilder tipped Tyson with a right hand in the first round. And when Tyson come back at him, I think Tyson saw and knew, I've got you. If you would
0: had the reins for that fight, would you have pushed back against a more
3: forward aggressive game plan? I I was going
0: to ask a question. Sorry mate. (laughs) Do you want to cut there and Carl can (laughs) ask the question?
3: I think a fast start approach was right. I probably may not have said okay now carry that on, but depending you have to assess it as it goes on, as the round goes on because if there's damage done and you can see something in the first round then you may keep working with it. Uh, There was a few adjustments that Andy and Sugar made, which was really, really smart. Tyson's lead hand position was quite different, and the way he established his jab was quite different. One thing with Tyson which I was very wary of was conventionalising an unconventional fighter. If you look at when Nazim Hamid started working with Emmanuel Stewart, it didn't work. He was an unconventional fighter that they tried to conventionalise, but the beauty of it was Tyson kept his unconventional side, but kept a bit of conventional. Mm -hmm which really worked well for him in the fight. And I knew that five fights, 10 stone weight loss, training for your mental health, training for a training camp, socialising, being a dad, all in the space of like 14 months, he was, he was burnt out. And I think that showed in the Otto Walling fight. And I knew that once he got a bit of rest, he was going to be a new man again. And he's coming into his prime now. And I don't think you've seen the best of him still.
0: Mm, it's frightening. Yeah. Took me through your, your memories of the fight on Saturday.
2: So, I was at the Bellator in Dublin and went down with some friends. Drove up the road, didn't want to stay in Dublin, so wanted to watch the fight. Drove back up the road, got home, and I was watching the boxing. I fell asleep at I remember Navarrete, the end of the Navarati fight, and I fell asleep. Woke up the next morning, going to watch the fight, obviously not knowing the result. And my wife is, is already awake, and she's on her phone. She says to me, "Do you know who won the fight?" And I says, "No." I don't want to know because I'm going to watch it now. And she says, well, why do you not want to know? I know we won the fight now. I, I, I don't <laughs> want to know. I'm about to watch it. And she says, The Fruit Hall in the seventh round. I'm like, what the f- first, <laughs> first thing? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why did you do it? And I was so annoyed, but I still watched it. But it's not the same, is it? Nah. No. But, the, clear, but the performance, I was kind of going, well, how is this going to go? Yeah, time? right. And I remember being dead confused and I always kind of slightly favoured Fury. And then I thought, Closer to the fight, you know what? Fury. Fury's, I'm I'm a bit more confident that it's gonna be Fury. But I thought it would have been a like a, a weighed points decision of mm. a few difficult fit we said. I, thought, yeah. I, didn't, so think he, I didn't think he could manhandle him like he did. I didn't think I didn't think he could do that. Like he the first fight he had when Ben was in the corner, he won that fight in a real nice, smooth boxing performance and he outboxed mm. him completely. I don't think Tyson's ever showed us that he had that element to his game, where he really, because he, he's a showman, he just boxes it and moves around and... Makes people look silly. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he just he just bullied him and intimidated him and in hindsight, like, me and you spoke about this, that is the way to beat Wailer, pushing him back because he's, he's a real relaxed fighter and he likes to take his time and, and there has been instances where his engine has looked like it's about to blow at times in the fight and that's when someone puts a bit of pressure on him. But it takes a brave man to do that because mm. no, one, no one wants to
3: do it because That's he punches it. so hard. The game, I, the
0: game plan on paper is, is, is simple, but it's doing it is a totally different thing.
3: I, I think that nobody else could have done that. I don't think nobody else could do that because any fighter that then become aggressive always got chin. Yeah. Because usually, and something that Wilde had done, and I, I don't know why he was doing it. I don't know if it was out of fear. But he, when he was going backwards, he was going backwards front foot first. So He wasn't in position to punch. Mm for half the time he was travelling back, usually he'd go back foot first, and his team actually call it good back foot, to say step back with your back foot first, you're always in position to bring someone on. But that was the, the unconventional feinting, throwing Wilder's timing off was working, the way that Tyson had come in with an attack, switch from orthodox to southpaw to carry on an attack. Mm. Those things that he kept but also gained was important, but I do think that for Tyson to be able to approach the fight in that manner, I feel like the fight the first fight and the ending of the fight and how Tyson started to dominate in the last few rounds was a huge factor. I felt like this fight, was round for, round one was round 13.
2: Talking about the feinting for such a big man, he's probably he's probably the best feinter
0: in boxing. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. Like
1: really fast twitch, you know well, what I mean? Like,
0: yeah. like triple, double and triple feints yeah.
1: too. For the look of him and the body shape of him, mm. these fast twitch and his feet work is, is amazing.
3: Do you remember the first press conference they'd done in London? And Tyson said, get up, I want to feel the power, get up, I want to feel the power. When he stood up, Tyson fainted him. And I knew Wilder pulled his chin back. And straight away, I thought... That's your reflex? Yeah, I thought that That's is me. your natural reaction to a faint. You'll pull your chin back. Wow. And you're not going to gain any power when your chin stood right up in the air in a shot. You're such a and nice I knew that that, that was going to be effective that. for Tyson throughout that fight.
0: Crazy. I mean there was there were certainly signs that as you said Carl that he when pressure is put on him he folds and he was I always felt he was quite lucky in the Ortiz fight the first one because the end of round it was 7 or 8 whatever that horrible seven, round yeah. was I wouldn't say that uh, way he folds because uh, he stayed in there yes. as long as he could that's the wrong yeah just, just the fact it's a duck I thought he yeah. was just, yeah, an Ortiz, just hanging he, in there by a thread that's it it was and an, an Ortiz I think was unlucky in that they gave him a minute 40 rest nearly because he had the minute rest then the doctors checked yeah. him there was a lot of messing around and it felt as if they were trying to give him time and I, I always wondered what would happen if he had gone out for the start of round 8 when he was supposed to. Mm-hmm. But he, he seemed to have his spirit broken within the first couple of rounds. Yeah, I part. thought so, yeah. You, just talk me through your impressions of <coughs> there was a big lump at the top of his, his jaw, which a lot of people speculated might have been like a dislocation, bleeding from the ear, which again, people said looked like a perforated eardrum. Yeah. At what point did you think, he looked really, really out of sorts. How early in the fight? I
1: thought halfway through the first round, mm-hmm. beginning, of the, beginning of the second. Um, as soon as he it, took the ring the costume the off, <laughs> 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 he <to> his legs <laughs> went <laughs> um, oh, Did you see that? He, 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 there was a video of him um, saying he does all his training with a 40 pound. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's terrible, all oh. terrible. Oh, these Americans with their excuses man, You uh. <laughs> could yeah. think another one as well, but anyway Let's not that, mention yeah, that Yeah, just leave that one, yeah, yeah, yeah But yeah, I thought, I thought maybe through halfway through the, the first round, the beginning of the second, his sort of spirit was broke The way Tyson come out and went straight to the middle of the ring, you know, and, and and run at him And then straight away bang bang, hit him a good couple of powerful right hands And again, like what Carl said, like nobody's ever really seen him go in attack mode like that And attacking people has always been... Moving and boxing and making people look silly and mm. and outboxing people, bedazzling people with his unpredictability, but it completely surprised me. Like, it's just straight out and all guns blazing, and uh, he broke it. He broke his spirit right away. Yeah. I thought,
0: yeah, you're right. It's funny how labels get attached to fighters, and the one label that Tyson has always sort of had is that he's not a puncher. But I mean, I've spoken to a few people that sparred with him. One guy being Dave Allen, who we know has got a great chin, mm, yeah. and he always said, I remember he was saying to me, "Mate, Tyson can can punch." don't be under any illusions and I I guess it's probably because of the style that he boxes he didn't necessarily always go out to hurt people because he's got the skill set to outpoint everybody in the division whereas actually what we saw was a guy that used for for one of the first times in a long time the power that is actually there.
1: Yeah well anyone that weighs 18 stone and a 6 foot 9 can punch you know. With those levers yeah. Don't get us wrong it's like if he punched me I'd go halfway across the room. (laughs) So if obviously he's going to be any any one of these guys can punch. You know, he's, like you said, he doesn't sit down on his punches. Like Joshua, for example, he sits down on his punches mm-hmm. and lets them go real explosively. That's not Tyson's style. Tyson's style is we'll here loose and bang bang. But obviously he's got snap on then just punches, uses his range, and uh, obviously there's his weight behind it as well. So mm-hmm. I, obviously he can punch. Yeah, there's yeah. everything in the fight. You see the state of
3: his face. Yeah, he's, uh, Tyson actually though he. He's, mm. he in the early part of his career, he was stopping a hell of a lot when he was being trained by his uncle, Huey, And then obviously <coughs> started working with his uncle, Peter, who sort of brought that unconventional style to him. But I think when he was training with his uncle, Huey, it was always sort of at a mid-distance. And there was a few times Tyson took a few shots back, and I think that's why Peter then made the adjustment to his style. What he got right on on Saturday was when he was committing with his shots he was smothering, not allowing an opportunity to be countered back and then using his physical size and physical advantages to manhandle Wilder which was a good smart adaption.
0: There was obviously all that commotion in the corner in the seventh with, with Mark Breland and the towel and the criticism and everything like that but do you feel, I mean Wilder has always had a track record <coughs> of losing quite a considerable number of rounds against opponents and then pulling the trigger and the fight's over. But for the first time ever, I don't know if you agree with this, it it looked like he had a an unloaded gun in the right hand. There was almost no chance that that shot, mm. with, even, even with his track record, he, he was done, wasn't
3: he? Yeah, everybody can be an expert after the, the situation. But I think all this thing about the suit on his legs and what it realistically boils down to is some people rise to the occasion and some people... Not fold on the occasion, I wouldn't say folded, but the occasion gets to him in a more of a negative way, Mm. put politely. I actually was speaking to somebody before and we know that Tyson rises to the occasion, we've seen it, there's no question of that. But we've not seen Wilder do that yet. Yes, he landed the shot in the 12th round when Tyson was in the position he was. After dominating for, people say, 10 rounds, but it wasn't realistically. Out of the 12 rounds, he probably took a minute, a minute and a half of the 12 rounds. And I knew that Tyson righted occasionally. I don't think Wilder did. I think the occasion got to him. I think, Ty- like I say, when he hit Tyson with the first right and the Tyson went back at him, I think that, like Josh was saying, halfway through the first round was the moment where he was like... This is round 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> fuck. <laughs>
0: Question to you guys. If you're Deontay Wilder, you've got another 20-odd days from, from now to trigger that rematch clause. They're saying they're going to, but... Would you want to if you were him and that had happened to you on Saturday?
1: Me personally, well, yeah, I yeah. would take it, yeah, but think about it. He's not really going to get that kind of money anywhere else now. He's mm. had a, a whipping and I think he'll get it again. So he'll get yeah. paid well for this next fight and then he'll get a beating again, I think. And then, I mean, where does he go from here if he doesn't take the rematch? Where, where does he go? Who does he fight?
2: I don't think he truly um. believes he can beat right Fury now. He no. lost the first fight when I mm. was given a draw by... Being completely outboxed, he lost a second fight by being manhandled and Mm. bullied and outfought.
1: Yeah,
2: I think he'll probably seek a third fight, but again for the financial gain of Mm. it, um, because unless he fights Joshua or someone like that, the the money's not even going to get close to
0: it. I don't think he does fight Joshua now without a belt. No, Mm. Uh, I get the impression Tyson as well is. One of those sort of data gathering fighters that the more time in the ring he spends with you, the better he gets. And it seemed even from the, the start of round one on Saturday that the timing, the distance, the understanding of Wilders tells, even when because he, he covers ground at an extraordinary rate when he even though he telegraphs that right hand, if you're not switched on he's still going to hit you because he can, mm. you can go from one side of the, the ring to the other. but Tyson just seemed to be so much calmer and so much happier. Is that do you feel if a third fight were to happen? it would just be even more comfortable for so. him.
3: I think that the Wilder coming in at that weight was a big mistake for him. Agreed, yeah. Big mistake for him. But as soon as he stepped on the scales at that weight, I thought you've made an adjustment to, to prepare for Tyson. You're not worrying about him preparing for you. And I thought you are in the wrong mindset. In terms of would I take a trilogy? It depends how you're looking at it. As a manager, I'd say I want a nice cut of the pie to allow you and Joshua to fight, and I want this fight there to generate, maximise what he can get while doing a rebuilding process. Generate as much as you can, as a fighter, you take it. So mm-hmm. I don't know, it's a difficult one. We are joking about this um,
0: this forty pound suit excuse and and everything else that he said. I don't know, is there a chance he could be a little bit concussed and talking to the media a little bit too early? Because those kind of things, I'm sure he'll look back on those in six months with a clear head and think, what was I saying? But he took a real pasting on Saturday and then he's done an interview essentially Monday morning. Potentially a little bit too soon to be speaking to, to people when you've you've not really got a clear head. Me personally if I took
1: a beating like that like that, you can not make excuses and yeah. make like he wears he wears the, that suit out to the ring almost every time, doesn't he? Some, yeah, yeah. Something similar mm-hmm. anyway. A something a bit, yeah. similar anyway. So he's used to it, he knows what he's doing. He's took a beating and he's trying to find an excuse and Blame in his coaches and this and that. It's, it's one of the worst take excuses take well. the it's really bad, is,
0: right? yeah. Do you know what it is, though? I feel Hayes. like... Broken worse toe. than
2: David Hayes? Broke his
3: toe. Broken toes worse than walking in with a Broken toes is actually quite painful. And if, if you were, yeah, Yeah, but you are, the, the, what do they have in similar? They're both punchers, and it's almost a, that puncher's ignorance, mm. which you have to have as a puncher. Why would we we'll lose rounds and be ignorant to it? Doesn't matter. doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter and that punches ignorance I think in his fighting style, shows in his personality with something like this to say it doesn't matter that I got beat, it was because of that and that ignorance is why he's partly been able to do what he's, what he's done because he's he's lost 11 and a half rounds of fights and landed a shot so there's mm. a, a positive and a negative to it but he's probably better off keeping his mouth shut. Very for yeah. a kid, doesn't he? I've not accepted your apology yet
0: (laughs) talk to me just uh, from a trainer's point of view about this the riff with uh, with Mark Breland and, and that sort of comment. I mean, they've been together since the beginning and Breland has, has sort of taught him everything he knows. <coughs> at 34 as well, very hard to make adjustments at that age when you've been taught one style your whole life. Mm. Could that potentially be a huge mistake or do you think maybe it could be the best thing that's,
3: that's happened to him, making a change? His number one coach is a guy called Jay Diaz. Really nice guy. I really respect him. I understand he's the one that's come out and said, I told him not to throw in, he shouldn't have thrown it in. And sort of jumped on that bandwagon. I understand the element of he's a puncher, he's always got a chance, but there is also the side of when's enough enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I do agree with the decision for the tower to go in. I think Kenny Bayless was gonna stop it anyway. He went on earlier, even. Yeah, I I do think that, but I do understand where Jay Diaz is coming from in terms of he's always in a fight because of that power. Mark, having been a fighter at that level, I think he's got a little bit more of an understanding of what he's going through. I do agree with that decision, but I have got respect for Jay Diaz, who has worked with Wilder from day one as well. So, will a change be good for him? You never know, you know? Like I said, Tyson's had more training than I've had at dinners for his professional Mm. career, you know? It's it's hard to say. An
2: argument you can make is, and it's an argument that I hate um, regarding Diaz, is he's someone freelance has been in there and he's fought at the high level, he's an Olympic gold medalist, yeah. and he's took a punch in the mouth. I don't think Diaz had a boxing career, did he box professionally? I don't he know, an I, even? I'm not it sure. Could, you could get that old argument, he, what does he know, he's never took a punch in the mouth, which is a terrible argument, but in this mm. case, him saying that I, the tile shouldn't have come in, I just does not with it's me. it's scary. He, given yeah. how fucked wild it was, with
1: respect Yeah, it really
0: was in the corner.
1: I, I thought it was a right decision, like Carl said. I thought it maybe maybe a round too late because mm. he was just going round the the ring on his last legs. You know, like there was a point where he put his he put his head on
3: the yeah. Breland's chest, like sitting on his yeah. seat. Yeah, and that he's, was actually Jay. Put just his head flagging him. felt like was it, actually if Jay, if it was Jay. It was Tyson the lip lip and, and the towel even towel just got
1: shot. What, leaving enough balance shot, he went over again. again. Yeah. Because he was so exhausted and hurt and bleeding from all angles, you know, so I definitely think it was the right decision. If not a wee bit too late, actually.
2: And the, the, the other thing people are bringing up about the perforated ear and losing balance and stuff. I perforate mirror drum every single training camp, both ears. My ears I go every single camp that I'm in, and most fights as well. My balance has never been affected, and I'm not saying that won't affect other people's balance, and their balance may be affected, but Tyson Fury done that to him. Mm. Mm. You know, he, he got a punch in right. the ear yeah. off the other guy, and that's why his eardrum perforated. <laughs> this is boxing. Yeah, it's like
0: moaning about it's like Scott Quigg with a broken jaw. It's like, well, your punch broke the jaw, so yeah. you can't. Mm. Okay, or Kael Britton Glock, and what happened if he didn't break his orbit? Yeah. when <laughs> he did. hit yeah. you with a left hook, he did, yeah. yeah. you sat upstairs watching that, and that towel does come in. Talk me through what happened in your, in your room. I
3: was very anxious watching it, so it was sort of like a relief, obviously. It was a relief, but Tyson was dominating as well, but that's still that sense of, like we were saying, Wild has got that danger where one shot can literally change a fight. So the moment the towel went in, it was like, oh, yeah. thank God. And obviously I was very over the moon for him, and um, I know that everybody will be bombarding him, so I've left him for a few days, and I spoke to him last night. You, you had a chat with him last night? Yeah, had a night. chat with him last night, yeah. Talk to me about that, what did you talk about? Yeah, first of all, I messaged some of the guys that have been with him just... I wanted to see where he was at because <coughs> it'll never happen, I, I believe it'll never happen, but we obviously know what happened after Klitschko. So my first thing was to the guys that was around him, how was he, how's he been, blah, blah, and a few of them was a bit like, obviously there's a little bit of a come down from, from that. And I know that you're very thankful for it, but when everybody's messaging you the same yeah. thing, congratulations, congratulations, eventually mm. it's a bit like, yeah. okay now, you know? So uh, I just sent him a text and and we had a chat and that, and uh, I know the type of person he is, and I don't want to say certain things, but we had a chat that only us would really understand how, in what sense it's meant, you know, and um, yeah, he's in a good place, he's in a good position, I think he's gonna pop down next week, and uh, it'd be good to see him, you know, because there's not many that, obviously (coughs) a lot of it was documented, where he's come from and all the rest of it, but nobody in their right mind is gonna let anybody see the real lowest points. You're gonna mm. see bits of it, even images that you see and little clips that you saw. They was filmed at the best moments, at yeah. the angles that aren't so bad. And you know, obviously, the condition, mentally, physically, emotional, d- emotionally, that he was in. Myself and his family know what that position was. So to see now is, you know, I, I said to him, it's, it's an emotional thing to to thinking about it, to see it. And in that saying that, his brother walked into the restaurant as well. So uh, it was good to, to to see some of the boys and to speak to him on that. So is there any part of you, even a small part, that just regrets not
0: being able to be there <coughs> and just close that final chapter with all the work that you did together? Or do you just have kind of happiness for, for Tyson?
3: I'm always under this belief as a, as a trainer that the journey's the fighters. And we're a part of it. I don't look at it, and I understand somebody actually said to me, which I understand to a degree, I bet you wanted to get beat. And I was like, why on earth would I want him to get beat? Some people would. I do understand that some people would. But I said, look, I've got many, many years in this sport, many years. He's got one career. If he was to take one loss, how that would affect him for the rest of his life. As a coach, if you take one loss, it's not going to make you, it's not going to break you. I understand that. One win, one loss isn't going to make you and break you. But I look at it from a fighter's point of view, and and, and with that emotion, you know, one win or one loss can make you or break you as a fighter. And I'm not that type of person. I want him to have the most success that he can have. And to see him do that, yes, I was a part of it. But how many other people were? His family was. His uncle Hughie was. His uncle Peter was. Uh, his amateur coach was, sparring partners, loads of people play a part for a fighter but it is about the fighter ultimately so I would have liked th- to have been there but it's worked out for the best for him and that is the most important thing.
2: I love that honesty as well like, and it's not, you can tell just sitting here none of it's scripted or anything, you're just speaking from the heart and, and obviously you've, Fury is your friend and you've you've came a long way and, and I think that me and Chris were kind of talking about this, like you should be congratulated alongside everyone else. Obviously Fury is the man, he mm. won the fight, but mm. there has been people who have played massive roles in, in getting him to become, in my opinion right now, the number one heavyweight in on the planet and you, you were a huge part of that.
3: No, I appreciate that, thank you and uh, I have got to say I've had a hell of a response from the boxing world in, in that constantly, lots of nice messages and that and I do understand that, but I am a part of it, Tyson is Tyson Fury. And now you two have got a, a journey ahead together as well. Hopefully long nice. and
1: successful. Aye, hopefully long and prosperous. Aye, um, I'm, at the, I'm at the top of the hill now it's my job and Ben's job now to keep me at the top until hopefully until I retire. You know, obviously my ambitions is to retire undefeated, but you know how many fighters do that? Not many, but that's a big goal. Why not? You know, you got to dream big and go for it. So that's what I want to do. I've got the talent, I've got the <coughs> mentality. I just need to. Um, Carry out, you know, it's harder said than done, like you know, but um, easier said <coughs> than done. Sorry, but um, mm. I believe I can, I can beat any fighter. It's in the opposite corner. So.
2: It's easy saying it now, but I've been singing this lad's praises since the first day I seen him in the gym, and I, I kind of knew him from the amateurs and knew what he could do. But when I started to see him sparring and how he went about his work and even fighting, and y- your debut was on in Texas, yeah, wasn't Texas, it? Right. When I fought out there mm. and. An amazing performance he like, has a good fighter oh, a guy nice. who l- probably looked after might win like a Commonwealth or British title and this guy's fighting him on his debut and you knocked him out in the third round did you? Not a bad fighter at all but um, to be fighting on your debut but I, I've been I've like, it's easy in hindsight saying it I've always said this guy could be a superstar but I have like one of these ones boxing is like when I train and I'm finished, I like to be forget about it for a while and go and chill out and watch TV or whatever. But when this lad was sparring, I always made sure I was hanging about, and I felt like I was even watching things and picking things up from him as a world champion when he was a two or three fig novice.
0: That's good, Ooh, friends. Appreciate that, man. I'll Fuck off. Yeah, fuck, <laughs> off. fuck you. Go ahead. <laughs> Kids. <laughs> So let's just quickly get some opinions on the potential fight between Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. It's far more likely to to happen now, given what's happened at the weekend. Firstly, Ben, do you have any sort of inkling as to when something like that could happen? When do you realistically see that fight coming together?
3: No, is the honest answer. It's hard to say we're all in the same boat, wondering whether Wilder will decide to take this trilogy. If he doesn't, will that fight be able to be made right away? With top rank, with Kubrat Pulev, you know, can mm. something be done? Don't know. So it's hard to tell.
0: Stylistically, would you uh, advise a similar approach to Saturday night against Joshua? Or would you prefer an approach that
3: matched a little bit up with the, f- the way he fought in the first wilder fight? It would depend on, you know, the first round. Because Joshua's shown to, to be able to adapt his style as well now. So it'd be interesting to see what approach he took. So I think the first round would take a round to... To see what both guys are coming with the approach, because Joshua has shown the ability to be able to be balanced and move and punch, which he hadn't shown before. Before he was have to plant his feet, throw his punches, move his feet. Tyson's versatility is something that we've always spoke about, but something that a lot of people haven't seen. I remember when I when I first started working with him and I was trying to see what strengths he has and what weaknesses he has. I used to give him limits to his sparring, and say, "You're only allowed." this punch, you're only allowed to box in this area of the ring, you've got to box at this distance, you're only allowed this shot selection or you're only allowed to do this just to see where his strengths and weaknesses lie. And he was able to do everything against good quality sparring partners. So I think depending on how Joshua approached the fight would depend on what tactics Tyson brought to the, to the table. I think he would prepare for a blend of the two. But, like I say, his versatility, I just can't see any heavyweight beating him. And I sound Mm. like I'm always going against Joshua. I'm not. I'm not at all. I think he's a very, very, very good fighter. But, stylistically, he's right for Tyson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Showed a lot of
0: improvements in that second Andy Ruiz fight, Joshua. But would you need to see more from him, do you think?
1: A little bit more, yeah. Um, For me, again, I thought it was a great performance against Andy Ruiz. He showed a different side too what it has previously like what mm-hmm. Ben said, moving his feet and like staying round on the outside and dancing. I didn't think he would be able to keep that up for twelve rounds, but he did. You know, he did it, he kept nice and tight and, and moved his feet, you know. Um I just think against Tyson, moving his feet too much like that, it's kinda effortless for Tyson to adapt and change his style on the go. You know, it seemed like with Joshua there it was kinda more programmed that that's the that was the plan A and that was sticking to it at all costs. But having said that against Tyson, if they get in close, I do believe J- Joshua's very good I- up close, you know, with the tight and compact punches and explosive power. So if it gets up close, Joshua could catch him and drop him and whatever but I, th- I think
2: what Ben made a very fair point about being able to judge the approach after a round. Yeah. And there's not many fighters that you could say that to. Mm. Like most fighters go in with a game plan yeah. and maybe plan B. Everyone talks about plan B, but a lot of time there isn't a plan B. Mm. But Fury is someone who could have Plan Z. You know, mm-hmm. he's like whatever you tell him to do,
0: he would be able to do it because mm-hmm. he's an all. He's got everything, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, I think it was Zab Judah talking about sparring Floyd Mayweather, <coughs> and he said I sparred him for ten years, and he was never ever the same.
3: Yeah. In the ring, every time
0: I got in with him, it was like he was like an octopus.
3: Tyson sh- Tyson showed that actually in the Otto Walling fight. I'd said to Tyson, I know that he's going to come out and try to start fast. Just to try and prove to himself that I belong at this level. To convince himself more than anything. <clears throat> but I also knew from fights that I'd watched that he, he wasn't going to do the rounds as well as an experienced campaigner like Tyson was going to be able to do. So I sort of spoke to Tyson about nullifying him and then sort of put, taking it to him more and more as the, as the rounds went on. And Tyson in the second round landed a good shot, third round landed a couple of good shots, then got cut. And obviously against the South Pole when your right eye cut, to remain at distance is a little bit dangerous because it's your vision on this side with their backhand is susceptible. But it was also, to get close, you was risking the cup worsening. But at the right time, when the right time was to close the gap and take that risk and, and close that gap, he showed that he's able to do that as well. Um, and actually in the changing room, I sort of had a feeling that in his warm-up, he was gassy. In the, in the change room and I was asking him to box and I knew he wasn't right in the change room. So I actually adapted the warm up to start working at mid to short range. And for him to be able to make that adaption at that point to go, right, this is how it's going to be. Not many, can
0: do, that. Not so many can do
3: that. Not many can do that.
0: Josh made the point there about, you know, if, if that fight were to take place at short to mid, it might play into um, to, to Joshua's hands a bit more. Um, mm. age, this is the one sort of thing that w- we've spoken about before, with, with Danair yeah. specifically, a fighter that punches hard doesn't necessarily mean that's a strong fighter, and there's the big difference mm-hmm. there. Yeah. AJ is a physically very, very strong fighter. And I remember Rob McCracken saying, The only fighter that I never see Joe Joyce able to push back is AJ, so just physically mm-hmm. a beast. Do you think AJ would prefer that fight sort of short to mid? Yeah, AJ would. Mm. I, think, no, that's well, I think
2: that's his game. Yes, middle distance more than short to mid, mm. um, I think would suit. I don't know really Because Again Just like what we are saying Fury can do a bit of both But I think that's where AJ has the biggest chance No <coughs> Fury could go on the back foot And, and Bamboozle AJ um, and, and outbox him I think If Fury's on it There isn't a heavy w- The only other heavy w- He's beat Wilder The only other guy That has a chance Is AJ But if Fury's on it I don't even think It's, uh, it's that close a fight But I think it just depends On, on
0: how he, How he fights him the longer yeah. a fight like that goes on, the more data Tyson has, the better he gets. Therefore, okay. AJ's chance is probably best first half of the fight. Would you say? I'd say I'd
1: probably, say, I'd say so. pro- uh, probably the first half. I'd say uh, you just never know with the heavyweights, you know. But like, when was it he put Vlad down? So was, was it I six rounds? It a six l- was. It was, late Four, was it? fourth. Fourth, he got
0: put in the yeah, and then he put got put down in sixth, sixth yeah. and then he put Klitschko away in the eleventh.
1: Yeah. Well, see. Well. I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. So it's, it doesn't matter, really matter with the heavyweights; it can be no. over at any time. But um, I just believe that Fury would just outbox him. Um, I just think he's got more variety to him. You know, it's just um, when it comes to a boxing matches, I don't think there's anybody that can match Fury in, in terms of boxing.
0: I'll tell you what. If if we thought that they'd done. Wild of Fury to death with the analysis. Wait till Fury Joshua, right? You're going to be, you're going to be in the BT studio for hours, mate. I'll earn a fortune sitting back. Right? <laughs> you will, you will. Um, lads, an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. and Good luck. Good luck this year. Cheers. All right, uh, episode of TKO done and dusted. Many thanks to Ben Davis and Josh Taylor and, of course, Carl. Uh, thank you at home for watching as well. We'll see you, as always, in seven days' time. You've been listening to TKO on Joe.